Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Richard Parker. Hey, Richard, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Really looking forward to this conversation. We talked a bit in the pre-show about mergers and acquisitions. You've been in the space for quite a long time. So why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll dive into this conversation. Great. And uh, thank you again for having me. So I've been in the world of M&A for 30 years and in all capacities, buy side, sell side, um, representing business owners in the sale of their business in the in the lower market. I've acquired 13 of my own companies, sold 12 of them, plus made one co-investment and a wide range from $50,000 to a little over $200 million. And uh, along the way in all of this, I published a course that is geared towards individuals looking to acquire businesses, typically in the lower end which started out as just getting my thoughts and years and hundreds of files organized to help individuals. Uh, surprisingly, it's turned into having sold 100,000 copies of that to 86 countries. And it's it's incredibly gratifying work uh, to be able to help people accomplish or attempt to accomplish what I've been able to do and been blessed to do in, in a good way. Not all successes, lots of failures along the way, but uh, you know, it's, it's been a really uh, exciting and gratifying uh, initiative. So like, you know, it's uh, I'm looking forward to sharing some of those thoughts with you. That's meaningful work and organizations that grow their business. You know, some like, you know what, I've grown it to the point that I wanted to get to, you know, let's start doing the, the work to, you know, sell the business or, or explore opportunities of selling the business or merging with another organization. And, and obviously there's other organizations. There's, you know, the other dance partner that's like, okay, we're at a plateau on our growth and we want to add some additional things that can help us expand our reach even more. So it's, you know, finding those dance partners uh, is, you know, I, I guess an art and a science uh, because it's, and I know that there's services out there where you can, you know, list your business and, and whatnot, or, you know, look around and all of that. But in your experience over the 30 years, you know, is there a typical way for businesses to find each other? Or is it just, you know, through relationships, word of mouth, and occasionally someone looking at a, a list of, you know, companies that are looking to be acquired? So it's a great question, because it's the answer is all of the above. And what happens is from the buy side, whether you're a buyer as an individual or you're, it's a, it's a little different if you're a company and you're looking to grow through acquisition because in those cases, if you're uh, currently own a business, your acquisitions will either be in, in an ancillary business, so something complementary or potentially a, a competitor. And so you have more insight typically into who is in the market, not necessarily a complete overview, but probably a really good idea who are potential targets. For individuals that are looking to get in the market, it really is one of those, and you know, all of the above it's because you have to at the beginning you have to look at this like a shotgun approach and you hopefully get to a laser beam you have to really put your reach out to various tentacles you look at the business uh, publicly listed businesses for sale online there, unfortunately there's a lot of garbage on those uh, businesses and only about 25 percent of those ever sell but then as you hone into understanding what type of business is right for you and that's critical to this process you can then um, filter down your search and and move towards um, direct solicitation 
options if you can't find anything publicly listed for sale. But it's also a reach out process to your community, your your contacts, your network, accountants, attorneys, chambers of commerce. It's all of that to do that in an effective way, because there's never been one proven way to be um, uh, consistently successful. It really is, you know, it's a very broad approach at the beginning and then you you narrow it down. Thank you for sharing that because I always thought it was probably a lot like that where it's just using all kinds of different mechanisms and you know, oftentimes you see you know people say you know we're interested in buying your business and the business isn't necessarily for sale you know that happens occasionally and you go okay you know why and because they've done a little bit of due diligence you have a product or service that they want and then obviously if your books are clean you can pretty much you know figure out the valuation of a company now again valuation boy that is that a um you know depending on people's opinions i mean yes you can look at the financial numbers and say okay statistically speaking if you have this much in revenue and your costs are this and all of that then over a three-year period this would be you know your your profit margins so we'd look at and okay market growth all, all that kind of stuff you know, gets factored into it but uh, i know that a lot of you know people that launch their businesses you know they i don't want to say overvalue their company but i'm sure many of them do because well it was theirs they created it much like their kid but it's illegal to sell your kid in most states so uh but not your business uh but oh, i guess depending on the state you know there, there's probably some more loopholes but that's that could slip into a political <laughs> conversation which i try to avoid on this show we all have a lot in common i say that and i just kind of leave it there because there's a lot that we don't but yeah you know that's that's what makes life juicy uh but at the end of the day it just boils down to you know if, if you're in this situation you know and this is just a pro tip you know this is a, a not advice or guidance just an opinion if you have a business do whatever you can to just make sure your books are clean and uh, a colleague of mine says you always prepare your business as if you're going to sell it even if you have zero interest in it then that way if something comes along You've, you've got everything there. It's going to make it a lot easier for the parties to do their work to make a decision to say, yes, your company is worth us acquiring or no, I'm going to run as far away from you as I possibly can. And, you know, we, we see that a lot uh, in a variety of different sectors, you know, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So there's a so there's a lot of points in there and, and let me address some of them um clearly you know <laughs> the first thing is yeah you can't really sell your kid even though you'd want to have four of them and, and they could have been up for sale at certain points in their life so that's uh unfortunately <laughs> i shouldn't say unfortunately you know it's, it, that's not possible um as it relates to businesses so there's a couple of points your colleague of yours who meant who mentioned related to you know preparing your business for sale you really should run your business like you have to sell it tomorrow and that's from a standpoint what what that forces you to do it doesn't take your eye off the ball as far as running your business but it forces you to put all the important pieces into place that a buyer is going to look for such as one you alluded to good books and records because that's at the top of the pyramid um you know clean financials getting that in order uh, secondly you know, whatever it is that keeps an owner up at night about their business, if they're concerned related to, you know, if it's uh, recruiting good employees or they have some customer concentration issues or supplier concentration issues, whatever keeps an owner up at night at business, about their business is going to is going to 
worry a prospective buyer to the power of 10 because they don't have the, you know, the guts of the business in their belly. They don't have the uh, day-to-day insight. So the problems, you know, are magnified exponentially. And so you have to deal with those and get those into, uh, get those resolved as best as you can, because they can be problematic and they could cause your business not to sell. The other point you're mentioning related to value and what have you, you know, one thing for sure and for certain, what a business owner thinks their business is worth rarely, if ever, has anything to do with the value. And the valuation has was always a big, big challenge for me as I was acquiring businesses. And I mentioned I acquired 13 of them plus one major co-investment. And it was always a challenge because the seller and their broker, if there was a broker, and their brother-in-law, the patent attorney, and their and you know, and their sister-in-law who worked for a marketing company. Everybody, it's like they say they're like like butts. You know, everybody has one, and opinions are like butts. Everybody has one, and so they have this um, crazily uninformed view of the worth of their business. And that, and I say worth versus value, and they've invested blood, sweat, tears, and beers into it. And so there's this emotional piece. And it used to be a big challenge for me because what, you know, I'm working with numbers and logic, but, but valuation is an art. It's not a science. And so as I was going down the road, um, looking at businesses, I'd always encountered this issue. And so I looked at hundreds of, uh, of companies and I started putting together as act, you know, one of the things that I was able to do from that is able to put together the common denominators of issues related to all businesses by and large. So in other words, covering 90 plus percent of the issues that really weigh into evaluation because it isn't just the fa- financials and a multiple of the financials. It's, you know, um, is the business growing? Is it declining? A, a company making 250,000, two similar companies making $250,000 a year with similar sales are not worth the same amount of money if one is growing and one is declining. Right. So those type of things. Um, if there's any customer concentration issues, supplier concentration issues, the condition of the books and records, what type of finance you can get, if the reliance on key employees, if there's any licensing, if there's any com- uh, competitive issues, um, the 800 pound gorilla in the business. So I was able to narrow it down to 50 attributes actually that are consistent among all types of businesses. And that's where I ended up developing this valuation program that weighs in these 50, you answer, there's 50 specific questions that need to be answered with a multiple uh, of potential answers and they all get different weights. And then that, those answers, those, those form the fundamentals of a business and that gets married into the earnings of the business and the trends of the business and how you want to weigh it and uh, calculates the valuation because it's critically important. You, ha- If you as a buyer have a valuation and the seller has an idea of what their business is worth, which we agree typically is, is way off, you have to be able to defend your valuation. And it's not just, here's what I think it's worth. If you have something defensible, you have a infinitely better chance of having them come to your side of the understanding than the other way around. Well, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, 50 points is huge. I mean, that is, that, that is due diligence on steroids. And it's, it's right because, again, this is a big investment. If you buy something and it's, you know, wrong, it could blow up in your face or, in the case of Google, when they bought YouTube, that worked out for them really, yes. really well. Um, but then there's other acquisitions that we don't necessarily hear about that you know didn't go as well. But you know it's, it's going to happen when you're in in the business world. But you know even if they followed the same 
50 items on their list uh, things happen you know environments change and all of that which is a segue to kind of what's going on now in the world and we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show as well about you know right now you know with businesses you know it, it might be a little bit more challenging for some organizations to secure the financing to buy a company or uh, you know, just, you know, the, the temperature out there because there's so much uncertainty and there's always uncertainty in the world that this, this is nothing new um, in the history of humanity. But right now, at the time of this recording, you know, towards the end of 2023 and beginning of 24, you know, we're in a state of uh, some interesting times, to say the least. And, you know, it's impacting all kinds of things. And I, you know, case in point, I, you know, I got a newsletter this morning about M&A activity, and it, it has declined recently as long as well as, you know, hiring in certain sectors as well. So I'd love to kind of get your your viewpoint of the, of the state of the union type of situation right now of, you know, what's going on with, with M&As and some potential challenges and, and opportunities as well. So it's a, it's actually a very interesting time. The M&A newsletter that you probably got was probably more um, tilted towards the world of private equity and institutional investing. And they've seen, you know, they usually have, th- they have three pillars related to their business, which is invest, raising capital, investing in new businesses and exiting portfolio companies. The exiting of portfolio companies usually represents the largest number to them and is really important because it feeds the machine. Exits are way, way down and that's problematic. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a byproduct of, of the economy, undoubtedly. The, what we're seeing here is there's two sides of the equation on the buy and sell side because it varies greatly between those two. So on the, um, buy sided equation at the high end, like the PE firms and institutional investors that were, we, I just alluded to. I didn't have to be a genius. It's something I predicted a while ago, but it's it was almost generic in form. Anybody in my world would have predicted the same thing, right? It was just logical, meaning that private equity firms, institutional investors, because of interest rates, would have to put more equity into every deal. And that's a good thing because it also causes them to to forces them to do um, their homework and more uh, diligence. And so I believe that they're, you know, the the uh, wild, wild west approach from a number of years ago has uh, diminished uh, greatly, which is which is a good thing overall for the market, right? So their the returns will 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 get hit a little bit, but by and large, that's going to be you know it it will lead to better decisions. The banks are lending at much lower rates. It used to be typically you can get money at three plus times, sometimes high as four times the EBITDA in a in a in a deal as the leverage, and now it's down to one to two. So that that tied into the uh, people having to put more equity into the deal. When you talk about it from the buy side on the um, lower market, what happens in these markets, I personally call it beautiful upheaval. When all these things are at play, when interest rates are going up, people are fearing recession. You have these up and down roller coaster um, years as a, as a result of the pandemic. Some businesses did great, some did poorly, et cetera. That leads to not being able to have any type of consistent um, gauge for what the, what the uh, revenues and profits of a business should be going forward because it's it's just been again up and down and so it's very favorable to a buyer because that allows for putting together performance-based deals larger components of seller financing which we see which are all you know pretty much a standard in lower market but even more so now and we're seeing it even in even in the higher market where seller notes are becoming pretty prevalent because there has to be a way to bridge the gap between a an institution a, a, a lender and what the 
uh, institution is willing to put as for lack of better terms, a down payment on the business, right? So seller financing bridges that. So, but I believe on the lower market, okay, what's happening is a lot of people are scared about um, uh, acquiring a business at this time, which is typical of a, and symptomatic of, of individuals looking to buy businesses. So what this is, less buyers in the market, but there's tremendous opportunities for all of the points that we mentioned earlier, buyers can really leverage and put terrific deals together. And so then you look at the sell side of things. If you're an owner of a business and you look at it, good one thing for sure and for certain regardless of the times and i'm doing this for 30 years and i've seen good times and bad times a few things we know good times typically last better than bad times number one and number two regardless of the economy if it's flourishing or if it's just shitting the bed pardon my french good businesses sell and they sell fast if you have a good business that has um, good clean books and regu- records solid fundamentals the prospect the prospects for growth or sustainability of the business are really solid that business is going to sell and sell quickly there's always demand and so you know that sellers may have to be more uh, understanding in their deal um, as far as valuation as far as the terms earnouts or performance-based uh, components to the deal and bridging the gap with seller financing, but a good business can always sell. I love that. And it, it, it goes back to what we talked about before. If you're a seller and you, you, another thing you said before is like, you know, if you're running a business plan on selling it tomorrow, then that way it forces you to be you know good with all the work that you do as when you're in a situation when you want to sell it, or if you have to sell it, you know, those things are there. And the closer, even if it's a stressful time for you, the closer you get to reality of what your business is currently worth with all the factors involved, you know, that's, that's what it's worth. Um, and don't stress out about it. Well, it should be worth, well, it's not. It's worth this based on these factors. So, you know, don't stress out about things you can't control. I mean, of course, you can make the decision, well, I'm not going to sell it right now. I'm going to wait till things improve when what define improve you know it's improved you may not be improved to somebody else so it's it's always a um an art or a science more art on on that as well but you know ultimately if and i tell this to businesses a lot you know especially a lot of entrepreneurs that launch their businesses and i said so when are you going to sell it and they're like i'm not going to sell it it's like oh so you're going to live to a million years old awesome <laughs> you will be the oldest business on the planet well second oldest business the oldest one we kind of know what that is but it's <laughs> it's yeah that that's been there forever uh and good margins very good from what i've heard you know <laughs> Pimping ain't easy, yeah. uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's just you know knowing you know if it's the right time for you. And I and I think you know one of the exercises that I do for myself, you know, not just for my business, but just for me in general, is towards the end of the year, I'm more or less going to take a pause, shut down, reflect, see how things are going. What's inspiring me for the next year? What are some things I want to streamline? What are some things I want to improve? Like Ram Sharan, you know, one of the you know the leadership guys uh, who's advised presidents and written books and all that kind of good stuff. You know, one I saw him speak a few years ago, and he does this exercise at least twice a year where he looks at all the things that he does, and he decides to take one or two of those things and he decides I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, he either delegates it or just 
he doesn't do it anymore. Um, eventually, he's going to run out of things to do. I mean, he must have a big list, but it's like, but it, it's one of those things where, I'm like, okay, if I could take something that I'm doing right now that's not doing anything for the business, or I don't like it, or I could delegate it, what is that? And again, as a business owner, you know, the more that you're working, you know, on your business and you know, growing it and doing everything you want it to do, you know, the better you're going to be in the short term and the long term. It's just you know figuring those things out. But you know, it's it's tough, and I get it. And we've talked about this a couple times about the emotions of what my business is. For me, it's like it's an entity that I created to solve a problem. Is it going to live forever? I'm not living forever, so unless I sell it or someone takes it over, you know, forever probably not. It'll it'll have its shelf life and it'll do what it's going to do. Fine, you know I I I don't have emotions to it. I'll be if I do sell it, it'll be like more of a, a pride thing. Of I'm I'm glad that I was able to make a dent in the universe for a period of time and it's going to carry on or they're going to do whatever they want with it. Right. Um, but it's some of these people are like I can't let go or you see it in people that want to retire and then they don't retire. You know, they say, right. you know, the, I, I, or they've retired and they've, or they've retired and not admitted it and the business goes south. Right. I mean, that you see that frequently and people need to understand that the statistics you have to you have to attach some of this to to, to statistics, which is the average business sells every five years. And so it's great to have this, you know, un. Um, wavering devotion to your business and say you're going to own it forever and what have you and it, you it, you keep your passion that way potentially and that's great um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't prepare because things happen in life um, that you can't account for and you can't predict the future and some of the morbid reasons whether it be death divorce divorce financial issues health issues that force you to sell force you to sell or someone walks um, you know approaches you that you didn't anticipate well those things happen but <clears throat> so that should be kept in mind. The more important piece to all of this is really what we talked about earlier, which is if you run your business like you have to sell it, it's going to force you to have a better business today. And one of the most important things we talked about, you know, earlier saying, you know, the financial and the condition of books, the records, and also the um, making sure there's no uh, issues that, you know, the issues that keep you up at night are going to be multiplied exponentially by a third party who is looking at it. So you want to take care of those. But the other thing to strongly consider is, the, the buyer pool. So the larger the buyer pool of prospective people who can acquire the business, the greater your chances of A, selling it, and B, selling it for a higher price. If there's more prospective buyers, it, obviously, it's just supply and demand, right? It could push up the, the, the valuation. And the only way to do that is to have processes, systems, and procedures in place so that the greatest number of people or buyers can acquire the business and operate it. And so they know everything that's going on. So when you systematize everything and you um, memorialize all of the tasks, and especially as it relates to the owner, because oftentimes they are the business and all the assets of the business re reside between their ears and they leave the business at five o'clock. So if you're able as an owner to articulate and, and memorialize everything that you do everything that you do and how everything that you do and how you do it right it's the buyer pool or prospects who can come in and oftentimes an individual in, in the lower market when individuals buy businesses the majority of them are buying businesses in an industry that they don't know that they're not familiar with which is which is fine um certainly fine because it's the most important thing is you marry your, your best skill to a business not not your industry experience but understanding that someone coming in who was able to take over your tasks 
because they're all memorialized. You increase the buyer pool. So all of these things that you can do today to run your business like you have to sell it does not mean you're selling it, but it's going to immediately equate to a better operation, however long you decide to keep it. I love that. That is rock solid advice that every business should be thriving. You know, it doesn't matter if they're a business of one or a business of tens of thousands of people, you know, document that stuff. It'll make it so much better. So Richard, I'd love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, your course and everything else you're doing? So the easiest way to get in, uh, get in touch with me or learn more about what we're doing is go to richardparker.com. And if someone wants to talk to me or has some questions, I'm happy to get on the phone with anybody at any time, regardless of where they coming from, buying or selling. Just in the contact us page, let them know that you want to send the info. Uh, they would like to have me uh, send them the send the information to me. Um, and again, it's richardparker.com. The course is how to buy a good business at a great price. And um you know, happy to talk to anyone. And on, on that website, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of free articles related to buying and selling a business. So if people want to learn more, they can get lost in a with with a, a ton of good uh, um, uh, practical information and, um, you know, just learn a little bit more on, on all components of the uh, buying and selling process. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that link in the show notes. So Richard, thank you again for a conversation. Loved every second of it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.